What's up, friends? It's Haley Hines, a.k.a. Bird, and you are tuning in to the Give Them the Bird podcast. This podcast is all about challenging what it means to be healthy and fit. It's about celebrating sustainable behavior change and non-scale victories. And most importantly, it's about giving the bird to the diet industry and societal expectations of body size. Why? Well, because at the end of the day, you have an entire life to live that does not require your body look a certain way. Thanks for tuning in. Now let's give them the bird. What's up, birdies? Welcome to Give Them the Bird. This is Haley Hines, aka Bird, and I am so pumped to have you here. On today's episode, you've got me, myself, and I. I'm taking a little bit of a break from having a guest on, but don't you worry. There will be another amazing guest joining us in two weeks. Today, I'm going to be chatting a little bit about body image and this idea of self-objectification, which I just recently learned about within the last couple months. But before we get into that, I want to remind you to subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. And if you're tuning in from Apple Podcasts, feel free to rate and review. All right. So to start out this episode, I want to give a little bit of background into my own personal body image, kind of growing up and um, the things I noticed while I was growing up. I think it helps for us all to kind of walk through our lives and think about what influenced the way we feel about our bodies or just bodies in general. And so I'll kind of use mine as a, as a way that you can do that. So I, if you don't know, I'm from Iowa. I was born and raised in Iowa in a small town, um, Northwest Iowa. And my family has never really been appearance focused. Um, My mom is basically a hippie through and through she's got in terms of beauty she's got like long luscious hair um she's never really worn makeup most of the time she doesn't even have a bra on so like getting her to put any sort of makeup on like it's not gonna happen and I think that's a beautiful thing so beauty was never really something that we learned early on um except for like natural beauty my mom always talked a lot about that And then on my dad's side, uh, my dad's family is a family of farmers. So if you're familiar with farming at all, they care way more about your work ethic than they do the way you look. So I was really lucky to never feel pressured by my family to look a certain way. I know that there are a lot of people that aren't so lucky. They, from a very early age, um, their, you know, parents try to put them on diets or things like that. Um, or make comments about their weight. And I was lucky enough to never experience that from my family, which I'm really grateful for. I think I started to become aware of my body back in elementary school. Like many young girls, I hit puberty very early. Um, I think I was one of maybe four um, girls that were much taller than everybody in, in our class, which our classes are really small. Um, I filled out pretty quickly. Like I've always had a butt. I've had that since I was little. And as I'm thinking about this, I'm seeing a picture in my head from my sixth grade, like award ceremony where, um, there's a bunch of us standing up probably like three quarters of the class. Cause we got like these academic awards and basically everybody gets one, you know, and It's like a flat line and then it gets to me and it's like boop, boop, like a big, (laughs) a big arch. (laughs) Um, And then another bit of a flat line and then it gets to another tall girl. So it was like very obvious. You know, I saw those pictures. It was very clear that like I was taller. Um, I was bigger because I hit puberty sooner and I was aware of it. I I was aware beginning in, um, you know, elementary school that my body, my body was different. 
Um, and then, you know, middle school and high school, everybody kind of evens out a little bit. And I think that I had very, a very common middle school and high school experience. Um, I was, I was never bullied. I was never like picked on or anything like that. Um, I did some of the things that probably many of you did too in middle school and high school to try to, you know, control our body sizes a little bit, but um, it was nothing that was super, super severe, like radical. Um, But I think this idea that because from an early age, I knew that my body was bigger, like when I, when I hit puberty sooner, I think that it stuck with me. And if you were to ask me up maybe like a couple years ago, I still would have told you that I was a big kid growing up. That's probably the language that I would have used. I was like chubby. um, I was bigger than everybody else. And I would say that that was the case from, again, like fourth, fifth grade all the way up through college. Like in my head, I always thought that I was bigger than my friends and bigger than, um, you know, my peers. But a few years ago, I looked back on pictures and it was a total mindfuck because I realized I wasn't, I wasn't any bigger than my friends. Um, Even looking back on like prom photos, which like, oh gosh, don't do it. Looking back on high school prom photos, I remember that I used to feel like my arms were so much bigger than my friends and were standing in a way like hand on the hip, you know, the classic you know, 2010-2015 stance. And so all of our arms are sticking out on our hips. And you can, like, my arms are smaller than many of my friends. And it's just interesting to see how, I think because I had this idea in my head that my body was so much bigger than everybody else's at an early age, I think that that kind of stuck with me through middle school, high school, and even through college. Um, I just don't think I actually saw my body as it truly was. But it's interesting because I remember having like keen awareness of what my body looked like while I was doing everything. Like I always considered how does an onlooker see my body right now? Like it's almost like I would see my body from somebody else's perspective. I would consider how my body looked when I was walking, sitting, eating, um, you know, doing anything, just standing there. And I realized this tendency of mine probably back in 2018, like this tendency to be aware of how my body looked, I would notice it. Um, and I, I think it might have to do with the fact that I started practicing mindfulness around that time. So I was just becoming more aware of my thoughts in general. And so then I was realizing, I was noticing my thoughts about thinking about how my body looked and I thought hmm that's really interesting but I never knew that there was a term for it and I actually kind of thought like man this seems this it worried me a little bit it didn't seem normal because I was it was I was doing it a lot um and then I started reading this book more than a body by Lindsay and Lexi Kite and if you follow me on Instagram I posted about it um, probably about a month or so ago. And then this week I just talked about it a little bit on my Instagram um, stories as well. So I started reading this book and I realized that this tendency to think about my body from an outsider's perspective, that there's actually a word for it. Um, it's called self-objectification. 
And so while I was reading this book, I get to, it's literally on page two of the introduction. And they put a name to this awareness that I've had all of my life. And I didn't even know it was a thing. Like I thought I was not the only person, but I was like, nobody else thinks this way. And so in the book, um, they write, Self-objectification occurs when people learn to view their own bodies from an outside perspective, which is a natural result of living in an environment where bodies are objectified. And when I read that, again, just like within the last month or so, I had a massive aha moment. I was like, oh my God, there is a name for this thing that I have been totally aware of all of my life. And that has been, you know, bothering me because I realize how much time I spend thinking about it lately. So that felt really good and validating just to know like this is a thing it's it's common it doesn't make it a good thing but it's still common and so then I turn the page and I think it's on like page three or four then it says something along the lines of like for many women learning about self-objectification leads to a serious aha moment as they put a name to this invisible and unquestioned yet all too familiar experience of body body monitoring their days away And so at this point in reading, I'm like, not only are they naming this thing that I've been aware of my entire life, but didn't know there was a name for, but now they are describing the moment, the aha moment that I just had in finding that out. (laughs) And so again, extremely validating, um, extremely validating to read that. And I think another thing that I gather from that definition is just that if you think about it, self-objectification, it makes sense. It makes sense for us to self-objectify and to look at our bodies from like an outsider's perspective because we live in a society that places so much value on our appearance. I mean, really, if you think about it, we are basically constantly getting messages that tell us what our body should look like um, or what are the most valuable bodies, what are the the best ways that bodies should look. And I think we get those messages from, you know, people close to us, family and friends. Um, We also get those messages from mainstream media and social media. And even if those messages aren't, you know, loud and clear and they're more subtle, they still make an impact. And I think it's really interesting because the reason I wanted to share more about like my body image influences growing up in in a sense is because I did not have... Um, a big stressor, like body image stressor, I would say. I didn't have a a parent who tried, you know, putting me on Weight Watchers. I didn't get bullied for my body. And so I think it's just crazy to think that, you know, if I didn't have one of those big body image stressors and I still experienced self-objectification, I still experienced, you know, years of body image issues and mistrust with my body, It really makes me wonder about the people that do have a big stressor, a parent that puts them on a diet, getting bullied for their body. But either way, whether you identify with that or identify more with with me where you didn't have that um, big stressor growing up, it's basically unavoidable. We cannot avoid all the messages from the media, from social media, um, that tell us what bodies are equivalent to success and attractiveness and intelligence and hard work, etc. I mean, I was even thinking today about just commercials, right? Because I was trying to decide, you know, if I didn't have, if my parents weren't big pushers on that or there wasn't like a big stressor, what was it that made me realize what, 
you know, an ideal body looks like. And, you know, as a kid that grew up in the 90s and early 2000s, it was like commercials and TV shows, music videos. Um, A prime example of commercials is like any lingerie or perfume commercial it is like a thin Victoria's Secret model looking kind of gal, right? Like she's she's always in those. Um, even Victoria's Secret models, right? They have a very clear body type that is very unattainable and realistic for the majority of women. I even think about in movies, who is like the popular, the popular girl is going to have like a specific body type and the not so popular girl is going to have a different body type. Normally, the popular person is, you know, tall and thin, and the not-so-popular is short and, and maybe a little bit bigger bodied. So I think about those influences, um, even when it comes, again, to music, like just the way we talk about, especially women's bodies and music. I mean, do we even talk about men's bodies and music? I'm not really sure. <laughs> um, so whether you had a big stress in your in your life or not, you're going to be impacted by these things. And I think unless you you are like a Gen Zer or later, you're, you're bound to have self-objectification. You're bound to identify with some of these things that I've mentioned. So it gives me hope for like future generations. Um, but I think that there's still a lot for us to unlearn in order to not pass it on to, um, to our kids or, you know, the, the younger generations that we do have an influence on. And I think one thing that's really important to talk about when it comes to self-objectification is that self-objectification is a result of objectification, which is when, in this case, when a woman's body is basically degraded down to just being an object. Like instead of women being seen for being multifaceted humans, um, their abilities, their interests, that sort of thing. Like we're reduced down to just being seen as an object, primarily for the male gaze. So then that objectification from an outside perspective, we then take it on as ourself and it becomes self-objectification where we are literally just reducing ourselves down to our physical appearance. And disregarding our interests, our our likes, our feelings, our emotions, all those different things because we are merely just seeing ourselves as another object. So I think this conversation about like objectification and self-objectification, like man, it could be a long discussion and a long talk, um, but I'm definitely not the expert of it. I really just wanted to share, you know, what some of my initial thoughts have been um, in reading this book, More Than a Body, again, by Lindsay and Lexi Kite, and then also just um, knowing what I know about body image and having a healthy relationship with our bodies and all of that. But I think that there are, you know, two things that we really can do, like two little journaling props that I'd like to encourage you to engage in um, if you want to. Um, as a way to almost like get back away from the self-objectification, obviously it takes way more than just two journal prompts to do this, but I think two things that can help us um, are one, to write down all the things you are beyond your appearance. You know, what are your values? What are, what are the certain qualities that you have? What are your interests? Um, you can even think of it like if you were to ask a friend how they would describe you, what would they say? So somebody that has like, you know, a complete positive regard for you, what would they say? And then I think the next thing we can do is with that list, 
go through it and notice, is there something on the list that maybe you've been neglecting lately? Is there a quality about yourself that you haven't been um, utilizing recently or that you haven't been like giving yourself credit for? Or is there an interest on there that maybe you haven't been engaging in as much? But obviously it brings you joy, so it could be something you do more of. And really, I think the good that can come from doing this is just taking some time to not think about our appearance, to not think about our bodies, to remind ourselves that we are so freaking much more than our bodies, despite the fact that society tells us repeatedly, constantly otherwise. I also think for the time that we are all living in right now, I think that our our thing, the things that bring us joy have really shifted a lot and um, our, our many of our moods are down, our motivation is down. Um, so many people that I've talked to, they're struggling with body image, they're struggling with getting active um, and they're just struggling really like finding the motivation to get out of bed. So maybe in making this list and thinking about the things that you enjoy to do and the things that make you you beyond what you look like, it can also spark a little bit of that motivation to maybe engage in some of those enjoyable um, activities that you feel are a part of who you are that maybe you haven't been engaging in as often recently. So I hope if you are someone who can identify with this idea of self-objectification and just like seeing your body from an outside perspective constantly, I hope that you are feeling a little bit more valid, <laughs> that your, your thoughts and your experiences are validated. You're not alone in this. There are so many others of us who have experienced it as well. Um, I really hope to continue on with this conversation, hopefully bringing on I mean, dream would be having Lindsay and Lexi on to talk more about this. But just continuing the conversation, I'd love to hear what some of your journal um, responses looked like, what some of those entries looked like, and just really what your thoughts were on this podcast. As freaking always, thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode. You can show some love over on Instagram by sharing this episode to your page or story and then tagging me at Give em the Bird Podcast. I will see you back here in two weeks for another amazing episode, but in the meantime, go give them the bird.